people have already been screwed out of like BitConnect. Everyone's complaining to the government. They can't. The way government government's very reactionary. So people are screaming at them. They're gonna they're gonna come up with something. This is the Matt Brown Show. This is the Matt Brown Show. This edition of the Matt Brown Show is proudly sponsored by GT247.com. GT247.com were the pioneers of CFD trading in South Africa and are currently South Africa's number one low-cost online broker. They make trading easy and affordable with no monthly fees, less costs, basically more profits for you. They have been around for nearly 20 years and their trading desk has well over 100 years of cumulative market experience. GT247.com is a subsidiary and a juristic representative of Purple Group Limited, an authorized financial services provider. How's it, guys? So before we jump into the meat and the potatoes of this episode on the Map Round Show, I wanted to let you know that we have launched a YouTube channel. Now, the YouTube channel will be the destination for all of our cryptocurrency and blockchain live broadcast content. You will also get the content here on the podcast, but now you can also grab the video on YouTube. And for this particular episode with Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister from the US, he will be a panelist on, on my Crypto Kung Fu show on Wednesday, which is our seventh sold out show, is our first installment of that. So we'll be moving more as a brand into the video space. So check out our YouTube channel. So who is Adam Meister? Well, Adam Meister is one of the world's most influential experts on Bitcoin. And he has flown in this week to be on the panel of the Matt Brown Show. What's really rad about Adam is that he's got a very unique perspective on the world of cryptocurrency and specifically the Bitcoin blockchain. And Adam travels the world, basically consulting to companies on the blockchain, on Bitcoin, specifically speaking at conferences. In fact, this morning when I picked him up at the airport, he had just flown in from Singapore. And prior to that, he was in Australia. So he really does get around and is exposed to the on-the-ground developments within the cryptocurrency and blockchain space. And in this particular episode, we thought we would have a bit of fun and kind of set up Wednesday's event, Crypto Kung Fu, by whetting the appetites of the cryptocurrency community in South Africa by just covering some of the latest developments and headlines that have been, you know, at the forefront of the cryptocurrency space around the world. Oh, and one more thing, guys. We will be live broadcasting Crypto Kung Fu from Johannesburg around the world on Wednesday. That's in about 48 hours from now. That's Wednesday, the 7th of March, 2018. Now, if you're wondering where to get the link, here's what you need to do. Simply head on to YouTube. Google Matt Brown Show and subscribe to my channel. From there, you'll be able to access all our live broadcast feeds. So do that now. Head on over to YouTube and subscribe, and I will catch you on Wednesday. So without further ado, enter Adam Meister. Adam Meister, welcome to the Matt Brown Show. Dude, it is awesome to be on your show. It is awesome to be back in Africa. <laughs> Rad, so it's obviously not your first time in South Africa. Um, but for our viewers and listeners around the world right now, like, what are the headlines? Who is Adam Meister and why should we care about what you have to say? Well, first of all, I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. I have a big show on YouTube that deals with cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. You can find me on there. And I travel all around the world meeting people, speaking at events, talking about Bitcoin, just spreading the word. So 
the last I've been in South Africa two other times to talk about cryptocurrency. The first time was back in 2015 at the first blockchain Africa cryptocurrency conference in Cape Town, South Africa. And um, back then, there weren't that people, the price of Bitcoin had dropped quite a bit. People were down on Bitcoin, but I had been in Bitcoin already for two years at that point. I had been Bitcoin since 2013. So I guess I'm a hardcore veteran, people would say. Um, and so I wanted to make the first conference. I, I, I hadn't gone to any big conferences yet, but back in North America, all these people were talking about how Africa is the future. Africa is the future of cryptocurrency. I wanted to see it myself. I attended that event. It was an incredible networking experience. I became friends with Lorian Gamaroff, who is a huge name in cryptocurrency, who is going to be speaking at your event. I met Abraham Cambridge, who's a big name down in Cape Town in cryptocurrency. I heard Vinnie Lingham speak. It was just such a learning experience. Then 2016 came around. I spent over a month in Southern Africa, um, a lot of time in uh, Johannesburg and also in uh, Zimbabwe and Namibia. And I attended uh, and Mozambique. I attended uh, events there, spoke there, met even more people. Tawanda Kembo, the biggest name in Zimbabwe Bitcoin I met. And so um, it's just I've had all of these people back on my show. I try to bring the international audience that watches my show knowledge from all over the world. And I try to connect people from North America and Africa and I'm just a connector and a spreader of Bitcoin. And I am so happy to be at your event where I'm just going to be talking the talk, networking, meeting people, talking to every single person there is just I'm on fire and excited about it already. Yeah, me too, dude. So it's only 48 hours to go until we literally start broadcasting the event live. So we're going to have about 200 people at the event, uh, which I'm really excited about. Uh, more importantly, it's yourself. And you touched on Lorian Gamaroff being there, who's representing the African continent. <laughs> and then on VC, we've got Tone Vesk joining, uh, joining the party as well. But I want to talk to you more about the event. Um, so the subject matter is, you know, the Bitcoin family of coins, we're looking at, you know, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin Private, etc. And we're going to be doing a deep dive into um, into that sort of subject and domain. I mean, what can we expect from you at the actual events? I mean, what are you dying to share with the, with the guests uh, at the time? Oh, my God. Well, first of all, those are incredibly quality guests you got there. Lorian is going to break down the technical stuff for all the people, okay? And Tone Bays is going to talk about price. And I know Tone personally also, okay? He is – he can – if people want to hear about the price predictions for all sorts of coins, he can do technical analysis on anything. He can do technical analysis on stock. He's part of the World Crypto Network also, like I am. So he's a personal friend of mine. So is Lorian. But what am I going to bring? So there, these guys are going to talk about some high-level things. Um, there's a lot of people out there that are going to be attending your event, bankers, um, venture capital people, people with all varying levels of knowledge of cryptocurrency. And the way people have gotten into cryptocurrency, they've skip some very basic steps. So I hope to fill in some of the basic knowledge that some people have skipped because there are going to be things that people are going to bring up and they're not they're not going to they're going to say things they're not going to understand some basic things that I want to just fill in the gaps for like the the bitcoin halving that's coming up in 2020 I want to talk about that. I want to talk about how you get these crypto dividend coins. Again, if you just hold bitcoin if you've held it for a long time, you're entitled to this B cash and this B gold, these family of Bitcoin coins, as you call them a family. I call them crypto dividends because I feel that Bitcoin can be a savings mechanism in which you get interest or dividends 
by just holding it. And the, the dividends and interest that you get are these four coins that come off of it. So I'm going to talk about that aspect of it um, and just how to you can be very conservative with your Bitcoin but, and, and still do very well. Okay. And if you, the, if you aren't conservative with your Bitcoin, you can make tremendous mistakes. So that's a, I'm going to be out there warning. I'm going to be, uh, talking about scams and how not to give away your private key. So you, like some people are so eager to get this family of Bitcoin coins that they give away their private information and then they lose all their Bitcoin. You don't want to end up in that situation where you're trying to get, um, a free coin, but you end up giving away your Bitcoin. So. Yeah. To your point, I just want to touch on the scam thing. So one of the interesting developments that happened in the run-up to this event, because um, obviously, you know, this is the seventh sold-out show covering the cryptocurrency and blockchain space. But this was the first show where I had a business problem. Um, and that business problem was was very simply the fact that Facebook actually banned advertising related to crypto. Like you couldn't use the word cryptocurrencies. You couldn't use the word, um, you know, Bitcoin, ICO. Like you couldn't, you couldn't use any of those words simply because of the scam narrative that dominates a lot of, you know, the share of conversation. And while there are, you know, true players, right? Uh, Waller, for instance, and Vinnie Lingham, as you touched on with Civic, um, you know, you, there's guys who are basically running token sales and then, you know, going off to South America to buy Lambos. <laughs> and then, you know, screw you dudes who, you know, don't yeah. fundamentally have any recourse or in, there's no regulation or whatever. And so I think what we're finding is that, a lot of your big um, institutions are starting to, tr- to try and control, whether that's from a regulation at a crypto exchange level, whether that's actually from a media buying perspective. I think the whole space has got enough steam now um, that people are starting to notice and it's becoming, I would say, in the spotlight. So my question to you is, you know, let's look at forks. So there's so many forks happening right now. Um, and a lot of them are off, like, as we t- spoke privately earlier, there's obviously Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then a whole bunch of others. Um, and a lot of these forks are being driven from people out in China, for instance. Mm-hmm. And they are scams, or they're trying to milk the equity and established blockchains like Bitcoin and Ethereum, for instance. What are your views on that? Well, the, the, the word scam is very, it's an overused word in our, our land today. There was something called BitConnect. A lot of people got bit by that. That was a scam. That was a Ponzi scheme because you had to pay into it. Now, when we're talking about these forks, I think we can say some of them are just money grabs, but you don't, to get a fork of your Bitcoin, all you have to do is control the Bitcoin. So you're not paying for anything. Now I'm not saying, so if you buy, if you go out and you hear about something called Bitcoin, uh, silver, let's say that's based out of China. Well, you don't go out there and buy it. You wait till you get it for free. So, but there are some that are shady, let's say, okay, because the, the people that are, they, they're not adding any innovation to the space. All right. In terms of the Bitcoin forks, but there are some like be private. And I don't, I don't, I don't want people to get confused. Like I never even used the word Bitcoin before them. Like the one that's called Bitcoin gold, I call it B gold. The other one, B cash, B private. So if people get the hang of it the way I'm speaking, because there's only one Bitcoin 
And that is so important to remember. Only one Bitcoin, people. <laughs> and and, and that, that's the biggest thing. And that's why people say, well, all the rest are scams. Okay, that's one way. And I think Tone Vase is going to say that. I mean, I don't want to put words into his mouth or anything like that. But it'll, it'll be an interesting perspective to hear what he has to say. And um, But but anyway, the, the way you, you, you decide... You wait for them to come to you, okay? You see, if you hold your Bitcoin on a Trezor, which you should, but you control your own private key, you see if Trezor provides a splitting device, which will allow you to easily and freely claim your Bitcoin fork. And they've done that for B Gold and they've done that for B Cash, okay? And so basically those two are the safest ones to play around in right now. You will get them for free if you had them on your Trezor, if you own Bitcoin before the dates that they forked off. Now, many of you watching this have bought Bitcoin after this fork date, so you can't get them for free anymore. Again, so then you're going to be interested in these new ones. Well, Be Private just had their fork date. So if you own, if you own Bitcoin like a week ago, you're going to get this be private. But right now, it um, you would have had to have it at certain exchanges at that time. Um, if you had it at a Trezor, you're fine. But they have not provided the splitting device yet. So there's a lot of third parties involved in this. And you have to become familiar with the voices on the internet in the tremendous cryptocurrency media community to really learn which ones are the ones to focus on and which ones are the one you're just wasting your time. You're never going to get it anyway. So right now, I'm a big, I, I think people can tell about this interview. And if you follow me, I'm very excited about this be private thing. It's, it's a very unique, it didn't just fork off of Bitcoin. It forked off of Z Classic at the same time. It was a double fork. It's hard to explain in an interview like this. But um, if you come to the event, you'll you'll hear about this. You're like, oh, this is totally a unique thing. So, and also some of these other top tier altcoins are forking also very soon. Monero, there you go. That's part of the reason the price of Monero is going up is because people are excited about March 14th. There's going to be a fork. So we'll talk about that too a little bit. Yeah, I suppose one thing to touch on here is research, right? So there's obviously. Um, I mean, I was at a networking event just last week and there was a guy, he was asking me like, how do you do research into token sales and so forth? I mean, and keeping in mind, you mentioned just now, like, you know, it's about going out into the ether of, of social media potentially or attending events like the Matt Brown show, um, to get your information. But in your experience, if someone is listening to us or watching us right now and looking to get into an ICO for instance, right? So there's, as you mentioned, there's this fork coming up and there's typically opportunities to basically invest and make cash, right? So where do you, or where should investors, and I don't mean traders, where should investors go and get information from? I don't, I'm not, in, I don't want to say I, where investors should get information want from when they're investing in cryptocurrency. I don't want to go into ICOs because that's, that's a really nebulous region there um, because there are no experts per se because it is it's it's the wild wild west out there but in terms of cryptocurrency experts if you you've got to learn the basics of bitcoin first and then build up from there and then learn about your altcoins and, and just get a hang how to send them and hold them and what a bitcoin having is and everything there on YouTube, there's something called the World Crypto Network. The people who are associated with that are all very reliable. Tone and I are both associated with that. Um, I think you you seem to be a very good judge of character. You had Ran. He is a guy who's been on my show before. Uh, Lorian has been on my show before. Uh, you just 
you, you gotta listen to people who don't make tremendous claims and then he, see who they associate with. Okay. Um, people who don't try to have fancy smancy graphics and try to name drop, you know, with, with government officials or they know this guy, they know that guy, just people who are very down to earth, I'd say. Um, but again, I've actually created, I, I host a show every Friday. It's called the This Week in Bitcoin show. I try to bring in guests that just fit that description, people who can be trusted. So I've, I, I actually created a, a little list of people too I can share if people want to see that also. Yeah, we'll post it up in the show notes. So I, I'll say this. Pete, you want people who are not Johnny come lately's who haven't just been around since 2017. Okay. Seriously. Um, again, Lorian's been around since 2011. Uh, I've been around since 2013. Tone's been around since 2013. Maybe Lorian's might have been even before that, but try, try to, try to listen to people who've been around since at least 2016. If, if not before, that's a good sign right there. Experience is very important in all this people experience. Yeah. I, I get ir- irritated with people in what I call positions of responsibility where they basically have, you know, 80,000 followers or whatever the case is, um, clearly are influential in the cryptocurrency space. And I find a lot of this happening where it's kind of like, you know, they'll post the charts and it'll be, oh, support, you know, at X price, going to see a run happen, dollar DRGN or whatever the ticker code is, you know, or the ticker identifier is. Um, And I can imagine... A lot of the noobs, okay, who um, don't understand the underlying assets or the technology or the use case or potentially the roadmaps that's on the card for a lot of these tokens. Um, and they're looking at this and they literally see something. It gets a hundred retweets because I don't know why people are retweeting it, but it's just a, an, an opinion. But what's happening is that people are seeing the opinion and then they're going out there and actually making trades. Yeah. And that's like, I'm like, what the fuck? You know, like that is so irresponsible. Uh, what do you say to that? Well, first of all, people, you know, there's individual responsibility here too by the people that are listing. They, people cannot be so impulsive at just because someone's sometimes I'll mention like a coin on my show just in passing and they'll be like, Oh, I'll go buy it. People will say, Oh, Adam mentioned it. I'll go buy it. That's not what I said. I just mentioned the name of, so people need to really slow down out there too. You say that's the problem with the space. Like 90% of the people are newbies now. So if you are a newbie watching, don't listen to other newbies, but also pay very close attention, listening comprehension out there. And in the end of the day, the thing about cryptocurrency this is where the big boys play. You have to have individual responsibility. No one's going to be here to bail you out. You have to repeat that in your mind over and over and over again so that you are cautious. Cautionism, being cautious is very important in this space. That's the best thing because if you're, if you get impulsive, you're going to, you're going to bite off too much that you, and, that you can chew and you're going to choke and you're going to die and lose, lose a lot of money in terms financially at least. So, uh, yeah. it, it, re- repeat that in your head, people just slow down. Don't be impulsive. Long term thinking. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And I think what's really refreshing about you specifically, a lot of, I mean, Luke Martin, for instance, be, obviously been on the show, ran and so forth and various other influences um have been on the show what i find quite unique about you specifically is that um you focus very much on bitcoin like as in only bitcoin <laughs> as the rock as the it's the rock yeah it's the one so there can be other things off of the rock 
that are slightly related to it, like these crypto dividends and, you know, unique opportunities, some of these top tier altcoins, but you got to focus on something. There's too much noise out there. If you're not focused, you're going to get distracted by all the crypto noise. You're going to make a mistake. So I just try to keep people very focused. And, um, I mean, I lived through the dot-com era. I saw how many so-called opportunities there were then and how many just disappeared. I know so many of these altcoins, are going to be weeded out and are just not going to exist in any major way in, in, you know, five to 10 years and stuff. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there. I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top, you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up. It's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Exactly. It's kind of like if you think about basically the 90s and the dot-com boom when HTML was around 1994, it kind of feels like the internet and blockchain and cryptocurrency is kind of where, where HTML was in 1994. There was no Amazon built on top of it yet. And what's interesting about Bitcoin is that it's probably the one blockchain that's actually been through a lot more than the other alts. Right, it's been tested. It has forked. Um, it has been, you know, looked at in terms of regulation or whatever the case might be. And so it's like, I suppose it's the one thing that you could, if you're looking at it in a long term perspective, it could be the one thing that you have to have in your bag regardless. But Lorian, for instance, just on that, Lorian like is a huge proponent of Bitcoin Cash because it's all about scalability. What, what's your? Well, I mean, he, he feels he Lorian is in a field where he needs to make daily transactions that those are his, that's his interest in this he wants it to be a daily transaction type of currency so he feels that bcash is the real bitcoin but in in reality bitcoin is the world reserve cryptocurrency okay it is the gold that holds everything together and right now transaction fees are low you can use it for transactions you can use it to buy coffee but who wants not many people, what we have to deal with now is that, yes, it is like 1996 in terms of the internet. Not that many people are using it yet. Not People are just using it as a savings mechanism. People do not want to spend it yet. So, you know, props to the people who want to make cryptocurrency easier to spend. And Lorian wants to do that. And he thinks Bcash is the way to go with that. But right now, in terms of like, how many coffee sellers want, want Bitcoin for their want to sell their coffee for Bitcoin. None. People aren't making daily transactions with any cryptocurrency. Now, is it good to prepare for the days when people are? Sure. But right now, people are treating it as a gold and hold mechanism, as something to preserve wealth, as the world reserve cryptocurrency. People 
whether you like it or not, are trading cryptocurrencies and you're just speculating on them, but they go in and out back into Bitcoin. They value their wealth in Bitcoin. And that's what I tell people to do. Don't value your wealth in fiat anymore. Value it in Bitcoin. All the altcoin traders, they value their, when you see the list of the, how much each altcoin is worth, it says it in US dollars, in euros, in, in rand, and it says it in Bitcoin. Because that is, that is, it was the first one. It is the one. Yeah. Um, it's the digital gold, right? Yeah. That's what yeah. I said. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the halving that's coming up in 2020, the yeah. Bitcoin halving. So a lot of people don't know what this is. And when uh, we were driving from the airport this morning, you actually mentioned something that I didn't even know is something that actually happens specifically in the Bitcoin space. So thanks for letting me know. But what is the Bitcoin halving and what are its implications for uh, investors in the crypto space. I'll, I'll give a real simple, non-tactical answer to what it is. It's it's built into Bitcoin. It happens every four years. So the last one we had was 2016. We're going to have one in 2020. What it is, is the miners, they're the ones who produce all the new Bitcoin, okay? And there's only going to be 21 million over time. But starting every four years, the amount they can create gets cut in half. So they're only putting half as much Bitcoin as they previously were the the day before the halving. So um, I'm getting my numbers. They were producing, this is good, 25 a day. Then they ended up producing now, once the 2016 halving happened, 12.5 a day. I hope I'm not messing all the numbers up there, but you you guys got, you you get the, you get the, the gist, yeah. You get the gist there that there's going to be less and less put on the market from the miners. So leading up to the last one, and this is what people really care about, beyond me messing up the whole technical explanation there. Um, but you know, you got the basic from it is that leading up to the 2016 Bitcoin having the price basically doubled. Okay. Because people started learning about it and they're like, well, wait a second. There's not, there's not going to be as much Bitcoin being placed on the market now. So there's, it's a deflationary aspect of it. And so there won't, since there won't be, there'll be more and more Bitcoin produced, but not as much Bitcoin produced at, at a much slower rate. Yeah. So that is just a reminder that this thing is, uh, very popular, but less and less of it is going to be new, new Bitcoin is going to be produced. So, it, the market starts to think about it and the price starts to rise as more and more people want to get a hold of it before less and less of it is being produced. So can we, so that's what I remind people of that this 2020 having is coming up. So if, if history repeats itself, people are not going to know about it until, you know, a few months beforehand and they're going to start to buy Bitcoin again and that ramps up the price. Mm. So it's basically it's the, it's the fundamentals of economics, right? If there's scarcity, the demand is obviously going to drive the price up, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Cool. So why don't we dive into some of the headlines around what are the differences between the Bitcoin family of coins as I like to call them? You refer to them as crypto dividends and you explain to us what that is. Um, so there's Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin Private. There's so many of us. So I let, know. Let's like, talk about wait, what's, real quick. How big's the family, right? <laughs> Bcash is supposed to be faster, bigger blocks, not as expensive. This, that, that's their selling point. That's what they say. Obviously, Bitcoin's the original one. Big Bitcoin Gold or B Gold, excuse me, I don't want to confuse people. Uh, B Gold uses a different mining algorithm. Um, regular 
regular miners can mine instead of these big gigantic miners um it's it's supposed to be faster they implemented segregated witness which bcash did not do then we got b private which is going to be privacy a privacy version of is a privacy version of bitcoin that's going to be sort of like another coin called zcash um and it'll be fast as, but that's the, it's anonymous is that's that's very unique the other ones out there well, there's one called B Bitcoin B Rhodium that their whole selling point is it's scarce. There's only going to be 2.1 million of them. Okay, so that's a deflationary type of coin. So I, I, I mean, there, there, there's a there's a lot of gimmicks that have been, but ba- but the basic thing is this from forming an altcoin this way because all they are is altcoins is very beneficial because everyone who held Bitcoin at the time of the fork gets your new altcoin for free. So it's a unique distribution mechanism. And some people are like, well, why would anyone buy something they can get for free? Well, the markets have spoken. I mean, Bcash is worth quite a lot. Bgold is worth quite a lot. People pay for it. People, I, I personally, me, one of my words of advice is to people is like, why buy anything you can get for free? I mean, if you were just holding Bitcoin, you'd already have be cash, be cold, be private. So, I mean, that that's my perspective. That's my advice there. I wouldn't buy any of those things. Yeah. So just, <laughs> so maybe just for the guys and girls out there listening to us right now who maybe don't know why there's this kind of airdrop of free coins, right? Into these uh, forked blockchains. Why does that happen? Is that to stimulate the adoption of the new coin on the forked blockchain? Well, the B cash people did it. Because they wanted to say they were the real Bitcoin. It was an unfriendly fork. And so that everyone would get theirs for free. And then everyone would say, this is the real Bitcoin. And so that they would have control of the narrative. They, because they wanted to have bigger blocks and faster times and cheaper, uh, transaction fees. And they didn't want to do a segregated witness, um, solution on top and we're not going to get into all the uh, tone and Lorian could explain that a lot better than i can so that's the, the reason they did the forks but these other forks that came afterwards once everyone saw that bcash survived as bcash it didn't destroy bitcoin but it still did well on its own the people who wanted to make new altcoins were like well why don't we just do it this way people have proven that they're going to buy what we are distributing for free. So it's a unique de- distribution method of the, of an altcoin and it takes advantage of the Bitcoin name. You can't deny that either. And that's why Bitcoin is the rock that so many people are just willing for marketing purposes alone fork off of Bitcoin just to live off of the name. My phone just went off. <laughs> Very popular, popular person. It happens all the time. Or they heard when Adam Meister's in the house. And remember, everyone, if you're watching this on YouTube, pound that like button so people find <laughs> out about this video. Do you want to know who that was? That was Lorian. That was Lorian. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Awesome. We'll be hanging oh, soon. Funny dude. Yeah. Funny guy. Right. Listen, so, so basically... Uh, I want to talk about private because I think there's a lot of hype to use that word. Oh yeah. 
deliberately um, about anonymity coins. Um, and I was speaking to um, Anthony Stonefield, who does a lot of advising around ICO slash token sales strategy earlier this week um, about tokens in general and so forth. Um, and we were talking about you get the different types of coins, obviously, you get like utility tokens, security tokens, or whatever. And in the context of funding, I think there's a revolution that's currently underway in terms of how anything gets funded. Um, and then more importantly, he actually said to me that his view was that he thinks that the value in utility tokens will slowly but surely diminish. And what you'll find is that there will be an inverse proportionate interest in security tokens. In other words, everything's going at a protocol layer. It's becoming way more uh, valuable from an investment perspective. What are your views on that? Well, I think there's certain trends we're about to uh, see in the, the altcoin cryptocurrency space. Okay. And what people are going to start, what people were worried about beforehand was speed and price and, you know, size of block size scalability. People are worried are, are concerned about anonymous now about guarding privacy. And that is something that people are talking about in Bitcoin and people are talking about in, in general cryptocurrency. So I think that's going to be a big subject matter in the cryptocurrency ecosystem. So you're going to see a lot of people talking about privacy-related coins, privacy-related layers built on top of Bitcoin, privacy companies, I guess, that are going to do ICOs. I think privacy is going to be a, a big uh, a big word in, in crypto, a big gimmick in crypto for some. Some people are going to build legitimate things that involve privacy, but it's going to become a big subject matter in the cryptocurrency ecosystem. But why, though? Why is anonymity such a thing? Because, because people don't want the government to know how much uh, Bitcoin they have. But how much cryptocurrency they have. But they don't people need- want to do transactions that they don't want the world to know what transactions they're doing, what they're buying, you know, what they're involved in. If people are involved in somewhat shady things, they want to be anonymous. And uh, big, Bitcoin alone is not 100% anonymous. It can be people can find out how much you have, what you're doing with it. All of the cryptocurrencies. Well, th- then we have these privacy ones like Monero, like Zcash, like Be Private that are trying to say they are the most anonymous. So there are going to be other people trying to get on, on, on in on that train. And we're going to see if people really want to pay that. People really want to deal with that. I, I think people are. But I also think people are going to build second layer uh, solutions on top of Bitcoin that might make anonymous coins useless. So we'll see. Yeah, it's interesting for me because I find, I don't know, it's it's like, I think there are a lot of new crypto millionaires, right? Let's call them that. They basically, they've made millions and millions of dollars and they're sitting with it in various wallets and accounts and so forth. Um, but now they have a problem and there's a whole tertiary industry that's developed specifically to service the new crypto rich or the crypto millions, essentially. In other words, let's just say we set up a, um, an entity in Panama, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that it's structured allows you to essentially divert your cryptocurrency into a hypothetical fund. The basically the money gets scrubbed and clean, not laundered. Would probably be a bit strong to use that word, but essentially you legalize a proportion of that money so that you can actually spend it in the real world on a Ferrari or a house or whatever the case is. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. Like my personal view is like, are we are we over hyping this? this fear that I suppose is in the space around regulation and what if the tax man comes for me? No, no, I don't think we are. I think in some countries that have these authoritarian governments that 
eventually they're going to become jealous of cryptocurrency or they're going to become so broke that they're going to start to find out like, you know, some people in our country have become these secret crypto millionaires. We want to know how much they have and we're going to start issuing certain taxes against them. So those type of people want to be as anonymous as possible. And when I, when I have their cryptocurrency as hidden as possible at the same time, I mean, there are going to be people who argue that, yeah, we need government regulation to clamp down on these, some ICO scams. So that's, um, that's a little bit of a different subject matter, I guess. But I mean, you, you brought up government regulation in terms of, I think you were trying to say that I'm saying that, um, some people want to be anonymous to avoid government regulation. And in certain countries, they certainly should be because they have authoritarian, evil governments. Like China, who, for instance. Who are going, or wherever it is, or in Venezuela, perhaps, where they're going beyond, where they should not be, where they're going to try to confiscate people's wealth. It, if you are on the radar of, and you're about, and your wealth is about to be confiscated, you want to put it into something that is as anonymous as possible. So you want to, you want to make sure if you're going to, diversify into cryptocurrency that you're in the most anonymous of cryptocurrencies at that point, that there's no way your government's going to know where it is, what it is and where you are. Okay, cool. So don't worry about it. <laughs> well, let's see how, this de- let's see how the anonymous uh, coins develop or an anonymous but, but solution. Here's the, but here's the thing though. I mean, even if you were on like be private, for instance, or Zcash or whatever, and you were trying to hide your cash, mm-hmm. right? Even the regulators can still get into that, right? Because can they? Surely, because if you control if, your own private key, they're not going to be able to get, take it. But from what you. if they force you to hand it over? I'm just saying, like, to what extent well, does privacy but, but, stop? But at what point? You see, this is at what if you bought it with cash on the street from someone, they'll never know you had it. Now, if you bought it from an exchange that's government regulated, that said, "Hey, you know, Adam bought Zcash on this day," then they're going to know that you had the Zcash. But there's no way they can take it from you unless they. Um, you know, tortured you, I guess, uh, track, track you down. But then, you know, the, but through getting it through a fork, you know, governments don't exactly understand what these forks are all about either. That if you held Z classic, that you, you get the B private. So they might not know how much B private you own. And since that's anonymous, you might be able to hide that. You know, there's different layers here also and how smart your government is. And if they'll just go for the big fish first. And they, in terms of taxation, like right now in the United States of America, if you make, um, if you sell your Bitcoin for cash, you have to report that as a taxable event. Well, right now, Coinbase is the biggest place where people do that at. So that's the big, and if you're going back on, if you're trading through Coinbase back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, well, you're the easy target right now. So the IRS is going to come up, come against those people. And I'm not saying to try to hide it from the government, but if you have definitely traded on Coinbase, you better be reporting that. You better be reporting it. So there's, there's ways, there's easy ways, there are easy targets for the government to target that are just easy for them to understand. And then there's complex things that they don't even get yet. And there's plenty of easy targets out there for them to get their fair share of tax safe, taxable income right now. But uh, yeah, exactly. And that, I really want to echo what you just said there, because if you think about taxation, they're going to go after the whales first. They will. 
the whales that have made themselves quite obvious on the the regulated yeah. uh someone who's done yes. a token sale oh, oh, oh yeah oh right yeah so of that course. guy like we won't mention names but like he did civic for instance that guy <laughs> he, he does everything <laughs> you know on I mean? up and up he does everything so, on the up and up and he's he's gonna pay his taxes obviously. but it's an example like that you know what i mean so if you think about let's just take business in south africa for instance right you've got five million small businesses right there's no way that the south african revenue service has the manpower to investigate all five million businesses so what they'll do is they'll look at those businesses turning over a certain threshold a certain amount of money in any given year Um, and i think the same approach might be adopted if the regulators do decide to come and audit, let's just say, you know, an individual's tax declarations in the cryptocurrency space. I mean, what are your views around exactly? That They're kind only of thing? going for the big, the big fish, the ones that make themselves obvious. That's that's the easiest, and they'll get the most money that way. They'll get them. I mean, you can't you can't blame them. I guess I I I, I I'm no fan of. Uh, regulation and but they're going to go for the things that are easiest and most obvious for them to understand so there you go but don't you think also that um regulation has to come to the table at some point yeah it has to come because people have already been screwed out of like BitConnect. everyone's complaining to the government they can't the way government government's very reactionary so people are screaming at them they're going to they're going to come up with something when people are, when are, when there's already been disasters, they're going to react. I hope they react in a logical way, but there's already in America, there's already lawsuits against BitConnect and, uh, and, and various other scams that have happened. So the government is, I, uh, yeah, there's going to be regulation. The government, yeah. they, they want to, and they want to have be, you know, they want to have their little news conference where they look like they're heroes and where they're solving because they're trying to get votes. So they, there you go. They're going to, they're going to act when they see a situation occur. Yeah. Um, and also in my view, like institutional money is only really going to come to the table when regulation is in play, right? Mm-hmm. That's basically how it's always been. And I don't think institutional money could, would be responsible if, you know, if regulation or regulatory frameworks weren't on the table. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then think about Poloniex, for instance, being, I think it was a majority share now being owned by Circle, which is being owned by JP Morgan, yes. Yes. the bank. So... And I, by the way, I thought four hundred million dollars was incredibly cheap to, it, to acquire that. It's and it's the eighteenth largest exchange on earth, and they got that much money for it. So yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, but I mean, it's a very small chunk of change on you know potential. Oh my god, it's, it, like it's huge. The upsides from that. Well, the reason it might have. First of all, the, basically the agreement was, is that Polonius has been off, it's been operating very much legally, but they're not fully regulated like Coinbase and Gemini are in the United States. So they don't, if the United States wanted to, they could prosecute the people behind there. As really? it stands now, they could find something illegal that they did. So what they're saying, what people are theorizing, and there have been some printed out things that looks like this is the case, that they allowed this to go through and they're just basically saying, hey, you original guys, give it up. We won't remember anything you did in the past. Now the new people are going to follow the rules 100%. And that might be how all of the original exchanges change hands and how a lot of larger players get these original exchanges um, that the U.S. government says, okay, you weren't really 100% legal. You were 98% legal. We're going to forget the 2%. Now that the big boys have bought you up, they're going to have to be 
type of thing. So we're in a little bit of a transition period here, but I think it's great that the United States government isn't going to be anal and say, and go back in time and say, no, you did 2% wrong. So we're not letting this transaction happen and we're going to prosecute you. But let's just let it be. They provided a great service to the world. Yeah. Let's let's move on. Cool. So, um, other things that have happened in the space recently that you would really like to talk about at the moment? What have you seen happen in the last week or I two? Mean, I mean, the p- thing that people just keep asking about is the Lightning Network, which uh, is scaling, which is a, yeah, yeah, which is a layer that's being built on top of Bitcoin to make it faster. Um, it might add an anonymous aspects. It, it, it's so technical and awesome. Um, and faster transactions, cheaper transactions. People are building businesses based around it. So it's all sorts of innovation. I'm, again, no tech genius, but everyone's asking about it. Everyone's talking about it. I'm very excited about it. It Be patient, people. It's probably not going to be totally live until the end of this year, 2019. But just this is a growing space. So I guess my conclusion here is everyone... We're still very early on in this cryptocurrency thing. You're going to see a lot of failures. You're going to have to be patient. Think long term. Think about the year 2020. It's not that far away. We're going to have a Bitcoin halving. And just hold on to your cryptocurrency. Don't try to do magical things with it. Don't try to trade it if you're not a real professional trader, which 95% of you are not real professional traders. Um, but like buy and hold, be patient, think long term, and value your wealth in Bitcoin. I think you're going to be very happy in the long run. Move slow. Yes. Move slow. Yes. That's really good advice. That's really good advice. Adam, thanks, dude. Really looking forward to going deeper with you on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. I'm pumped up. I'm excited. See you all then. The Matt Brown Show. This is the Matt Brown Show. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.